everybody, how's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of the Bison uh, Hour. We have John Romero here on the mic. John is a good buddy of mine. I met him back in 2017 on the beaches of Cabo San Lucas. We went marlin fishing together uh, as one of the incentive trips that he went through work. But we ended up meeting, and I've uh, been good friends with John throughout the past few years. John now lives in Fort Worth or yep. Dallas? Okay. Yep. The Dallas area. Um, he owns a, a part of our, our pest control business in Dallas, right? Yep. Your book of business is about $5 million. Correct, yeah. Um, so so where did you grow up? Like, what's... That's a, that's a crazy story, actually. Okay. So uh, my dad actually immigrated to the States from Costa Rica when he was 18. Okay. So came over on the boat, went through Canada the smart way in, I guess, but went down to Jersey, and then my mom was from Texas. So she went up there to be a nanny when she was 18 as well, and they kind of met, and lo and behold, I was born out there in Morristown. So when I was about a year and a half, though, that's when they decided to move to Arizona. They okay. split up, and so then I was raised out in Arizona New Mexico. What uh? What part of Arizona? Uh, Phoenix. Okay. So just that. Just that area. And then you you did you go to high school in New Mexico? Yeah. So I I did middle school and high school everything basically in New Mexico. When I was ten, they my mom decided to pick up and move to New Mexico. Cool. So I went out to the country, one little small town out there, just Bloomfield up in the four corners. So what's it like growing up in small town New Mexico? I loved it. I've always wondered that. Like when you go on these road trips and you pass through like population 1500 people yeah so i always wonder it's like i wonder what it's like to be born and raised in just this town and like never leave <laughs> i don't know the born part but i do know they're getting raised out there i loved it because i love the country so okay. it was the type of neighborhood where i could hop on my dirt bike right it right in the front driveway and basically just take off right to the hills so it was a good spot and i think the i think trying to get to school when i'd ride my bike i think it was like a mile mile to school that's about it so it's just it was small. Free running around, yeah. doing whatever. No, not really. My dad was really, really strict, actually. There you go. Yeah. So uh, you went to high school in New Mexico. Yeah. After high school, you graduated when, what, you were about 18? No, I, I graduated early, actually. I only did three years, so okay. I graduated in 2010. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, what did you do after high school? Or I guess, like, how did how did we go from who John was leaving high school yeah. to where, or, or to who John is 10 years down the road or, or 12 years, you're 30 years old? Yeah, I just turned 30 in okay. September, so. Congratulations. Appreciate it, yeah, I know, getting old. But uh, no, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. Now I try to look back on it, and you know, my whole life, I was working a job since I was 10 years old, mm -hmm. so my stepdad, he was in the picture since I was three, mm -hmm. so he was pretty much the, the guy who raised me for the most part, so. Um, but he was very, iron fist so it's his way or the highway but definitely learned a lot it's a lot of discipline too mm -hmm. so he expected like the best so straight A's you had to do good in school um, other than that if you were you know if you get one B you're grounded for a semester so he just so. demanded high performance from you guys yeah 100% I was the oldest and I was obviously the step kid too so of five boys damn so, yeah so it was kind of brutal but it was good worked at when I was 10 years old we had a family business so we delivered bread mm-hmm Wake up at three in the morning. I'd go deliver bread with my dad, stock the shelves at Walmart. At seven a.m., my mom would pick me up and then take me to school. And then, so did you guys own schedule. a Did you own a bakery or was it just? No, it was a it was a uh, basically a bread route. So like Nature's Own Bread uh -huh. back in the day, uh, you could buy territories. Okay. So you'd have your own truck and trailer, and the bakery would deliver the bread every morning. And so you'd pick up your load and then take it to McDonald's, Burger King. Sam's Club, Walmart, and do all that, and then you'd have to stock the shelves. So you're a contracted distributor Basically, for a big yep. bread company. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, it was interesting. So that was what I started doing at 10 years old. So 3 a.m., you'd wake yeah. up as a 10-year-old delivering yeah. bread. Damn. Yeah, my dad said uh, family business, so we all had to partake, Yeah, and that's why I didn't get paid, because it put a roof over our head, so that's how I learned it young. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, though. Like, Oh man, I can't imagine putting my ten-year-old through something like that, waking him up at three. But yeah. when you look back on that experience now, well, back in the day, it was different times. I think, yeah, because both my parents worked both jobs, and my mom helped out, and then she had her own job. She would go to after she dropped me off mm -hmm. at school, then she'd go to her her full-time job. Wow. Yeah. So when you look back on that, I guess what what are your feelings of like my parents were slave drivers growing up? Like my parents demanded high. Yeah. They, they demanded high. Uh, results from me, yeah. but they also demanded that I worked a ton for the family business. So not only are you doing what a normal kid has to do, go to school, get straight A's, mm -hmm. you know, parents with high expectations, like get good grades, but then they made you work and wake mm -hmm. up at 3 a.m. and expected you to perform on top of that. When I was growing up, I hated it. I thought it was, mm -hmm. I thought it was miserable, of course. I actually 
when I was like 11 years old, hop on a bike with my backpack and actually got about a mile and a half down the road to, to run away from home. And then I realized that it was actually going to be a, a longer drive yeah. to, or bike ride to get to my grandparents' place than I thought. You're a mile so, and a half down the yeah, road. You're like, so I, I I'm rethinking this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to rethink that one. It was pretty funny. But, That's hilarious. But I look back on it. I'm so thankful I went through that, though. Because honestly, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Like I, I learned the struggle early on. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had to fight for everything I wanted. And I think that's, that was the, ultimately the biggest reason why I wanted to graduate early too, was because I was trying to get out of there. I was that guy, I was like, I gotta get out of this small town. Like I gotta get on and start my life because I felt like things just weren't gonna, things weren't panning out, mm -hmm. like going under somebody else's thumb. I just couldn't do that. And it's funny how I transitioned in the military, like complete. So did you, so. you graduated at 17 or 18? Uh, I was 17 when I graduated. So that was 2010, uh, May of 2010. And then did you just go directly into the military? No, or? actually. So uh, when I was a junior, uh, the whole game plan to graduate early was my parents' plan mm -hmm. was to become a doctor. Like that was their plan for me my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's what I wanted to do. So on top of that, when I was uh, 15, 16, I volunteered at the, at the hospital, San Juan Regional couple years, uh, followed them around, followed a cardiologist around for a little bit, did all that. And then I went through the year application for the Naval Academy. Okay. But then going through that process, got my congressional nomination. Um, at that time, that was Ben Lujan, I think was the one I got that from. Okay. I got the acceptance letter, but I had a little bit of hearing loss. And so you have to apply for a waiver uh -huh. to get accepted. But when I got that letter, that was in April. So they had already given out their 10% of waivers. Gotcha. So after I saw their specialist, they came back and said, we just can't give you a, a waiver for it. So I was like, oh, all right. So, so were they like, transitioned. Hey, we're pushing you back another year to get into the Naval Academy or were they like, hey, we just can't take you a period? Yeah, I think they said, to, I think in the letter it said, it's been obviously a while, but to reapply. Mm -hmm. So that way go back next year. But at that point, yeah, I, I just needed to do something different. I, I just needed to keep going and keep moving. And was the idea behind the Naval Academy to like, I guess, go there, get your four years, become, become an a officer, become an officer, become an officer, and then go through medical like a school, grad, a grad program. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Because if you're an officer, they'll pay for the schooling part. Right. If you're just enlisted, you just basically the, it just pays for the first four years. Yeah. So after that, I basically moved out right before I turned 18. I mean, uh, my stepdad got into it a little bit and I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I left. <laughs> there you go. So I think that's a common story for most, uh, alpha males just in, in general. Yeah. It's like, Hey, like, to write a passage. The, the man of the home and me were starting to butt heads. I don't, I think if, if I guess older teenagers aren't butting heads with their dad yeah. by the time they leave home, like, I don't think that you're ready to leave home yet. Like you need to start formulating your own opinion. You need to start formulating your own thought process and you will butt heads with your parents, which is just a natural part of life. Like you shouldn't fault your parents for it. They're trying their best, but, um, I think it's a good sign to, it's like, Hey, like it's a, it's a time, it's time for me to go. Oh yeah. And I mean, it caused some some uh, issues, some mm -hmm. some uh, connection issues, but I think it was all also for the best though, because it really yeah. gave me a, that uh, that ownership of now who okay now who am I going to become? Mm -hmm. That really kind of propelled me to that next step. Yeah, um, yeah. So so my I, I had a pretty similar upbringing. I wanted to be a doctor and everything like that, but I hated I hated my house, and. Um, it's just interesting the two attitudes that you have. Like your childhood definitely sounds a lot harder than mine is. Your stepdad sounds like he was a lot harder on you than my <laughs> stepdad was on me. Um, but it's interesting because like I talked to my older brother uh, a couple years back, and you know he he's living his life and he's doing his thing. And you know for me, it's not the lifestyle that I would choose. Yeah. And he was complaining to me one day saying like, "Hey, I'm I'm stuck in the rut that I am in life. Or I'm stuck where I'm at in life because of our upbringing." And I looked at him and I was almost like, dude, I'm, I'm where I'm at in life because of our upbringing. And it really does show that it is a choice. Like you had really unfortunate circumstances, really tough childhood, wanted to run away, butting heads with your stepdad when you left the home, but you didn't let that define you as a person. You just kind of moved forward. And that, yeah. that really separates. I think if you're, if you're a, uh, an entrepreneur and you want to, I guess, learn how to take the first step is you need to create your self identity around who you are, not based on the way that you were raised. Cause there's so many stories like that of people that just come from really crappy circumstances. Mm -hmm. You should make the choice. Oh I'm yeah. Gonna be, I'm going to be someone, I'm going to be better. Oh, absolutely. So, so Naval Academy fails. Yeah. And then what? <laughs> uh, so at that point I already had a couple college uh, credits mm -hmm. from uh, the community college in Farmington, New Mexico. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go there. And now all this time I'm working, 
Um, at that point, because I moved out of my dad's house, they took uh, he took back the the Bron- or the Chevy. Did I have a Blazer at the time? I think mm-hmm. so. I was stuck on a moped. I was. It was a. It, we called it the Yellow Dragon. Nice. It was an old 1993 like Honda 250 scooter. Did it run well? It was pretty slow. <laughs> In New Mexico, it's pretty cold yeah. <laughs> going into the winter. So uh, I would drive. I'd, I'd wear a ski suit. Okay. To go to school and class because it was so cold. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was winter time, New Mexico. It's cold. It gets cold. We're, in the desert. we're like thirty minutes south of Durango, so okay, yeah. Um, but no, so I did that. I, I started doing like all my pre med classes, like you know, like just your basic ones. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I got to also figure out a game plan to work through college to pay for it. So mm-hmm. I went through and I got. Um, I was in a program for my EMT license, so I went through, went through that program, and then during that program, I was like, you know what, I don't think this is going to work out. I got to do something drastic. So then that's when I went and enlisted in the the army. So what was the, what was the motivating factor behind going to the military? Cause it sounds like, and I, again, I love this part of your story. You know, it's, you went from bread making to, Hey, I'm going to go to the Naval Academy. That plan doesn't work out. So now I'm going to be an EMT that this plan's not working out. I'm going to go in the military, Yeah, you know, and I know more, obviously the viewers are going to hear more about the story, but yeah. dang, like four things all by the time yeah. you're 18, like. Um, the motivating factor, honestly, was to pay for school. Yeah. Like at this point in time, I still thought I needed to become a doctor. Like that was the only route to become successful mm-hmm. at the time. Like mm-hmm. that's what I was told my whole life. Yeah. So I had no idea. So I was like, all right, well, I got to I gotta figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only way to do that, and I wasn't about to take out a ton of student debt. Uh, I didn't get any crazy scholarships or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I had 4.4 GPA and back in the day. I don't even know why it went over four, but you yeah. know how it is. Um, I hear it's worse today, dude. Is it? No, I, I oh, hear the gosh. grading system. Um, Are they up to 5.0s now? No, I, I hear the grading <laughs> system now is anything from like a 30% uh-huh. to like a like a 55% when we grew up, what was that? As an F, right? Yeah. I hear, I hear the schooling system now is like a 30% to a 55% is a D. And then from 55 to 75 is a C, oh, wow. 75 to everything. 75 to 90 is a B, and then 90 and above or something like that, like 85. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I was hearing that on a podcast the other day that Joe Rogan was doing with Dr. Phil. Oh, okay. And Dr. Phil's saying it's like the the number of kids in the U.S. that actually have like reading comprehension skills yeah. is like one third of all all kids like zero to 18 have the the reading comprehension skills of like a third grader. Oh wow. Which is mind boggling to, to is. think that most people in America don't know how to read. Yeah. Which is, it, it's mind blowing to me, but yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know. So. Hey, we, we all got to do something and try to help back, give back. I mean, I think that's why, I mean, now I have, I have a little one now and I know you got kids too. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's, that's something I'm fearful of. Cause it's like, what's the system going to look like when she gets into elementary middle school? Like yeah. what's high school going to look like? Yeah. And you know, what are they going to be teaching her? Right. Like, I'm going to have her out on the doors definitely by 16th, guarantee. Public schools churning out different types of people than they ever have. And unfortunately to say, I feel like uh, the type of kids that are coming out of most public schools are not put together, ready to take on life at all. Yeah. Um, So That's why we do these podcasts, right? Obviously to help out and give back, right? We're here to help kids that are trying to figure out their life and move on to the next step. Exactly. That's it, man. That's what we do here at Bison Hour. So um, we'll move back to to you. So go into the military. Tell us about that experience. Um, So when I enlisted, my ship out date wasn't until after my, I took my final exams for my MTB license. So I passed that class. I got my life. I got my, I finalized that, but you still have to go take a state test before you can get licensed. So what I did was once I, the day after I finished the course, took my exams, Mm -hmm. ACE were done, moved on. I shipped off for basic training. So I went out to Fort Benning, Georgia, Sand Hill. So I went out there and then. What was basic was, like? Just for anybody that's curious yeah. about going into the military, like I mean, I I thought it was fun. Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it depends. It's perspective at the end of the day. Like you said, like you know, two brothers raised in the same household, mm-hmm. two go completely different routes, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. I mean, I saw guys all the time. Like even in my unit, like when we we're going through a lot of guys I went through with, they were going active duty though. So I decided to go to the National Guard route just because I was trying to get through the schooling. Like mm-hmm. at that time, I thought that's what I needed. And before that, I mean, my uncle was an army ranger. He'd been in it for 15 years, something like that, through all, through all the crazy stuff. And so I already had, like, in my mindset, I was like, well, 
whatever I put my mind to, I'll, I'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you weren't raised with my dad. Yeah. I'll definitely be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. You're like waking up at, you know, waking yeah, up at 5am. This is easy. I was waking up yeah. at three. I mean, I think they, uh, I think I made it. I just had fun with it. I, I was the jokester. I remember one story that was funny for me was, uh, one of the drill sergeants were all standing there and he's like, who in here can draw? You know, and one guy is hilarious, but he like, <laughs> he like raised his hand and he's like, I can draw dinosaurs. And he's like, okay, you know, da da. And I, I was like, I got something. He's like, yeah, what do you got? Romeo, Romero. I was like, ah, I can draw a really good stick figure. And he's like, oh, oh, you're funny. Huh? I was like, yeah, well, I mean, if you want a hat, I can do a hat too. <laughs> and so, you know, just things like that. I mean, I just have fun with it. Did you do push ups for that? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but it was funny because the whole time he's like, oh, yeah, you, are you uh, one of these 18 uh, X ray contract boys? I was like, no, drills are. He's like, oh, you're just active duty. He's like, no. He's like, oh my gosh, you're a nasty girl. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude. Yeah, because it was funny, but you know, and and now uh, obviously it's funny because like both my little brothers, they they went into the army uh, after me. Mm-hmm. So one's still active duty out in Hawaii, and he's he's a full timer. He's a lifer. So I think it's just different for individuals. But as far as basic, I mean, and you just. It's easy. It really teaches you discipline, but I already had discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm even more like, hey, if I say we're doing this at nine, be here at nine, mm-hmm. like be here on time. Yeah. And that just really, I think the military is great for anybody. I mean, even like uh, I've seen a lot of these uh, seal fit programs where they'll take you for like a 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Do it. Oh, man, you're going to learn so much. Like the skill set is yeah. insane. Yeah. It's not a bad route. If you know you're an undisciplined person, you can't figure out a way to wake up out of bed. Yeah, going to the military three oh, or four yeah. years, it'll teach you how to be disciplined. Oh. It'll teach you to live a structured life. I uh, I just feel like so many kids get out of the military. I have so many friends that have gotten out of the military and they're like, it was the worst experience ever. And it's almost like the yeah. the opposite effect yeah. of like they, they rebound harder into whatever they were doing before. But again, it's it's choice, it's perspective. See, that's that's the difference though, is a lot of those guys, I mean, they went active. I, I when I when I went in, my intention was like obviously to help, like to utilize the system. Mm-hmm. Like I was always growing up, I was a, I, I worked the system. Mm-hmm. So first off, with my dad, he was very strict, right? But I knew he would never give me grief as long as I brought home straight A's. Mm-hmm. Never asked like you know anything else. Like oh, what are you doing over there? Like didn't care. Like mm-hmm. he was busy enough. As long as you had straight A's, if you had a B though, oh man, everything gets unturned. Like what have you been doing here? What's this? Mm-hmm. So I, I learned how to work a system pretty quick. I was the kid who bought big muffins at Sam's Club and I'd wrap them up and sell them out of my locker in school. Like that was me. Like I, I was just always finding something. Just hustling. Oh, always. Trying to, like, trying to make some money. All the legal stuff, of course, but yeah. you know. And uh, so when I got to the military, like when I went that route, I just wanted to utilize the system. That's what it's there for, like mm-hmm. to help for school. Cool, I'll, I'll donate some of my time and a portion of my life. And then my intention was to go, like once I did all the schooling, was to become an officer eventually anyways and go active duty. And that was the ultimate end goal mm-hmm. anyways. I was just doing it a different path. Um, but after I got back from basic, literally I had my mom ship me all my my paperwork, like my training and stuff from mm-hmm. my EMT class because I had scheduled my class or my, my state license to go take it a week after I get back from basic. So that way I could get my license so I can go get a job so mm-hmm. I could still work and you know take care of stuff, pay for school. So I go, pass this test, uh, the state exam, first shot, I was pumped, go to apply for a job. They're like, oh, you don't have any experience, so we're not gonna hire you. And I'm like, oh, you guys are killing me here. I, I hated it was, that. I, I, was, that I was, was so 20. upset, and I was like, what do you mean? I just got back from basic. Like, I, I didn't go get experience because all my classmates, yeah. they all got hired because that's the instructors were active. Like, they they were on the, they were on the fire the department. They were on, the, on mm. the fire department. They're the ones who put on the course, so that's, how you get that experience right away so you can at least have that on your resume. Mm. I couldn't get a job. So I literally had this EMT license for nothing. Like I, 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 I yet, I never used it, never got a job with it, nothing. I think, I think <laughs> it, I remember that. So when I was 20 years old, I remember looking for a job before I got the, the door-to-door sales job. And I think I applied at like Wells Fargo. I applied at, at multiple banks because I wanted to be a teller. I applied at American yeah. Airlines. Like I applied so many places and only American Airlines was willing to pick me up with like, yeah. I, I'd, I'd had prior job experience. I'd worked, you know, my first job was Arby's and then moved on to like a cafe, which is like a Mexican yep. cafe style restaurant. And then I worked construction. So I had like yeah. some job experience, but man, nobody would hire me when I was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's because they'd rather hire the 25, 26 year old deadheads that aren't doing anything that are just going to show up to work every day for the next 10 years. Yep. And um, exactly. I, yeah, man, I remember that. 
that's that sucks. That's, <laughs> that's funny though. So, yeah, so definitely you, funny. Yeah. So EMT basically useless. Yeah. All the schooling flushed down the drain to not use. Yeah. So well, I mean, it was it was still good to have though because in my eyes, ultimately, I was still going to be a doctor at this point. Sure. And I wanted to do cardiothoracic surgery, so uh-huh. I was like, all right, well, I got to do something. So after that, when I got back from basic. Um, and then I, I ran into a recruiter and he was down at Texas, uh, university of New Mexico. Okay. So then he's like, yeah, come on down here. You're already enlisted. So you'll get a stipend and you, we pay for your school. You get free room and board and you get a meal plan. And I was like, sign me up. It's like, I came back to no house anyway. So I was like, I don't, yeah. yeah. So, because right before that I was living out of my car, I was homeless. So I just like crashed in my car, had a big comforter, had a little, uh, crap. What was that? It was a 2006 Chevy Cobalt, like nice. a little two door. That was my my little travel home. So so at this point, uh, Uncle Sam saying, "Hey, we're going to pay for school, give you room and board, yeah. everything like that." Living out of your car. How old are you? I was nineteen. Yeah, because I, I got my blue cord on my birthday, and I had just turned nineteen. So then when I came back, yeah, that Dang. was uh, I, I I got into UNM. I think it was January for that next semester for spring. Dude, you did more stuff from the time you basically left high school to the time you were 19 than most people do in their third like to the time they're 30 like in between their 20s and 30s like you did a lot i guess so. i've never really sat back and thought about it you just bounce around it's like hey this isn't working i'm gonna go find the next best thing this isn't working i'm gonna go find the next best thing which is actually dangerous to do if you are are like job hunting or like bouncing around until you find some place where you're comfortable but for you it was like i have a goal and this isn't working this isn't going to get me to where i want to be so i'm going to mix it up so uh did you go to um you university of new mexico yep yeah yeah. yep uh yeah i registered got accepted went down there Uh, i didn't have to worry about room and board or anything like that and then that's when i like started experiencing like actual life now because up until this point everything was structured in my life like Mm -hmm. it was like told where to be do this and even before i went to basic like that was my dad like that was my my upbringing Mm -hmm. um my mom was like my my saving grace growing up, like she was the one I would always go to, like, hey, I need to get this. Like, don't tell, don't tell dad. Yeah. You know? So I'm a mama's boy for sure. Shout out to her. She took care of me growing up many times. But once I got to University of New Mexico, I was, uh, I got to experience like what it's like to have friends and go around and like, and, and I hate to say it, like I was that kid where once I got there, I was like, wait, there's something completely different out there that uh-huh. I was not used to. And that's when I started to realize. I don't want to be in school for 16 years yeah. for for well, what was, a doctor. What was the realization when you say like it, there was more out there to life than what you had thought? Like what was the realization? Like what was the moment where you were I like, mean, why am I doing this? Not even that. I think it was just where I experienced happiness. Yeah. Like it was joy, you know, it was like a, it, it was just a, a pure form where I got to experience different types of personalities. I was making friends because now, I mean, everywhere I've always been the, I just go out and I make friends everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Just I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Social butterfly. Yep, hundred yeah, percent. That person. Yep, you do. I mean, I mean, I was the kid who walked to class with that no shirt on. Just you know, I was just like living it up. I was having yeah, fun, yeah. and uh, I realized I was like, man, I think there's something else out there. And I, and then that's when I started to realize, well, I needed to take a look at what doctors do, like what their lifestyle looks like, mm-hmm. and then if is that something I want, and. I thought about it and I, I, I didn't want that. I yeah. didn't want to work that kind of, those kind of hours and be away from a family or, uh, you know, down the road or, or not have friends and be able to go out and just enjoy myself. I've already done a, a lot of years of working. I've been, I mean, I was doing that since I was 10 years old, so. Do you have any friends that you met along the way that actually continued on with that path to like become a doctor? They're like, oh gonna, yeah. What, what are their thoughts now with what you do and what they're doing? Here we like they're probably nearing the end or I don't think I've really I mean oh I guess I mean I I know of them right who were friends then I don't really talk, talk to, to a lot of people yeah they're doing their own thing it's it's been so many years yeah but I'd be curious I might have to reach out to them and there's and see there's some kids that I remember growing up with and our whole plan same same plan as you is like we were all going to be doctors and mm-hmm. what's funny is, is a couple of us weren't um, it's that funny because a couple friends that were like I'm not going to be a doctor are like actually finishing school right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've we've chatted a little bit just back and forth, and a lot of people look and see the the lifestyle that I have, and they look at the debt that they've racked up and everything like that, and they are not head over heels in love yeah. with that lifestyle. But it's almost like you've already done the eight years of school, 
you're in the middle of your residency. Yeah. You're so close to getting a job that pays you six figures, like might as well grind it out. And um, yeah, I think, I think one of the big traps of just medical school in general, unless you truly want to be a doctor and help people and save lives. It's a lifestyle. My wife's, my wife's OGBYN with our first child literally saved me from being a doctor by saying there's easier ways to make money. And mm -hmm. if you're in it for the money, don't do it. Yep. And I was like, okay, thanks doc. Like shout out. Yeah. I don't even remember his name, but I'm glad I got that, that yeah. tidbit. Cause I, I can't kind of realize that cause that was the thing is I was doing it for the money because I was told my whole life growing up, like you, you, you need to go to college mm -hmm. and you need to become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And you're going to make hundred K 200 K doing that. Yeah. And you know, they give you the list in school and you're like, yeah, you get to pick one, but yeah. there was no entrepreneur spot on there either. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I guess like that's uh for most parents that work the nine to five job, like that's the, that's the safe route to success. Yes, it's, it's like the top tier of going to school and accumulating all the education you can formally in an institution and then graduating and being a doctor. And it's a sexy job too. Like when oh, yeah. you're, you're on an airplane sitting first class and you talk to somebody, you're like, Hey, what do you do for work? And they're like, I'm a doctor. You're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, brain, I do brain surgery. It's yeah, like, I do brain oh, surgery. Wow, like, that's oh, cool. Shoot. That's sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, did you drop out of school? Uh, so a couple, and there's a couple other things. So during that time, obviously I, I realized that, but it didn't, it wasn't enough to push me out, okay. push me out of school. That, that wasn't, that wasn't the, uh, the deciding factor. So I finished that semester, went to the next semester. And then as I was going back to go to for a third semester, cause when you go in, you have to go through a bunch of like there's, I mean, they, with military, you're always getting like hearing tested, just medical, it's map stuff like that. Um, but I had, my hearing got worse after basic just cause I mean, it just tons of shooting and stuff like that. Sure. And I, I, and of course I'm just not the smartest, I guess, when it comes to hearing protection. But, uh, after that it was, it got a little bit worse than out, outside of that waiver zone. Gotcha. So even when you go to university of Mexico, you're doing the ROTC program, there's different levels. So like MS one, MS two, MS three. So you're going through your years mm -hmm. and then there's different things you have to go through a bunch of hoops and stuff. Um, well, part of that, my medical, I, I wasn't passing that. So they're like, Hey, you're going to need to get surgery to fix your hearing in order to commission. And at that point I was like, well, all right, I'm already committed. Like, let's do it. Mm -hmm. But then the specialist came back and was like, well, there's nothing that can fix it. There's no surgery that can fix your hearing to even get better. So I was like, oh, okay. So then they came back and said, yeah, actually we're pulling your stipend. We're pulling the housing. We're pulling the meal plan. We're wow. pulling all that. Cause I couldn't be in anymore. Cause I couldn't commission. And this was a three year plan that you were, you were three years deep into this school plan, right? No, no, I wasn't even, I was three semesters. Three in. semesters. In. Yeah. Okay. So year and yeah. a half. I, I, yeah, I was, yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean, I think I, uh, I was in my sophomore year with credits, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So at that point I was like, okay, well now what's next? And at this time it was 2013. Okay. And the only reason I remember is because Hurricane Sandy just hit the, mm -hmm. the East Coast. And backstory, my dad, my real dad, so from Costa Rica and all my family, they own tree companies out in Jersey. Okay. So they, they've done landscape tree work stuff their whole life, the past 20 years. So when that time came, that storm hit, it was literally perfect. I hit up one of my mentors and I was like, hey, this is what's going on. I have no idea what to do. Do I continue school and have to pay, pick up everything on my own? Or do I drop out and just do something different? Mm -hmm. So that's when he was like, well, do you got to do what you want to do and, and you got to enjoy what you're doing ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day. So I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to be, a, I don't think I'm going to enjoy being a doctor. I'll be honest. Like I don't want to do 16 years yeah. of school and I don't want to have to go through that. And so I dropped out and that's when I packed up my little cobalt and I headed out to Jersey. I met up with my dad out there and I started a, a I, well, I started working with his tree company first. Okay. And then I think six months after that is when I opened up, how I opened that, up my own tree company. How does that even work? You have a field, you plant the trees or you go no, buy no, them from nurseries? Oh, and no, then, no, 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 no. Like we, uh, I climb trees and cut them down. Oh, so it's a tree yeah. trimming business. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. tree company. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were like specialized. selling trees to oh, people. Gosh, like, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know there's good money in that though. Nurseries. Like oh, gosh, the, obviously yeah. they spend 10 so to 15 much. years growing trees and then oh, it's yeah. like, Hey, you're paying for a 10 to 15 year old. That's tree. a lot of money, but it, I mean, even in cutting trees and then when that storm hit, I mean, just to clean up alone, it was, it was lucrative. So yeah. I mean, it was a perfect time to, to kind of get, jump in business. So it's a dangerous job. Yeah. I learned, I didn't know how to climb trees at that point. So yeah. I, I learned how to climb and I, I loved it actually. Cause it was a different, uh, tree every time. I mean, something's different. Sure. So it was just kind of had, had my brain working yeah. and it was something new and I loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long did you do that? Uh, at that point. I was 20 and I did that up for about a year because then when I 
turned right before I turned 21, I actually ended all that out in Jersey, sold off my business. And I, it was hilarious because when I first started doing the tree stuff, I would just look up on Craigslist to mm -hmm. try to find work, like whoever's posting jobs. Mm -hmm. And then when I'd get that job, when I'd have a worker there and I'd borrow all the equipment from my uncle. So he'd help me out, hook me up. And then I'd go to the neighbors and actually knock on their door and be like, hey, I'm doing your neighbor's tree. Do you mind if I just give you guys a free estimate? And they're like, yeah. So that's actually how I started. Just going door to door, yeah. Believe it or not, I did not know what door to door was at the time. I just was like, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world because sure. I found a job and I knocked the neighbors and they all have trees too. So I was like, man, I just found like the secret to success here. You're like, all I gotta do is go talk to people yeah. that have, yeah. I was like, man, I'm gonna be rich. <laughs> I didn't even know like there's companies that do door to door at this time still. Yeah, yeah. But after that, went out to Arizona, got back into the bread game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Back into like, bread. Like I said, it's and and you know there's things along the way. Of course, like I was engaged at the time. Sure. You know, and she was from New Mexico. I met her at UNM. Okay. So of course, like that was part of the reason she was homesick. So she went back. You and wanted then, to be closer and then in Arizona. I needed to have something to do though because in New Mexico and Albuquerque, there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Like you're either like doing drugs, doing bad stuff, or you're a doctor. And obviously I wasn't a doctor, so, and I wasn't gonna do the other stuff, so. I've driven through Albuquerque, it's a rat hole. <laughs> Every time I drive through Albuquerque, I'm scared. A, my I'm best like, friend is a nurse and he still lives out there, so I don't give it too bad, but it is. It, Anytime yeah. I pull off the freeway, <laughs> there's homeless people everywhere. They're everywhere. It's interesting. It is yeah. bad, yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless, so I, that's when I moved to Arizona. Okay. So now I'm, I'm not even 21 yet. I literally, before I turned 21, moved out to Arizona. And so, got back into bread. Were you got driving? Got back into bread. So I, I bought my own truck, bought a bought a used trailer for five hundred bucks. And what I would do is I'd hit up because my stepdad at the time he had his he bought another route, mm -hmm. just not in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, he knew all the distributors. So I would hit up them and say, Hey, if you guys have any stores or stops you guys don't want to do, I'll pick them off uh, and I'll take the I'll charge a percentage, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I kind of started doing that. And obviously it was nice with military so I could get, I could deliver to the base. I could do casino, stuff like that. So I was actually able to, to kind of get my feet wet and all that. And I thought, man, this is going to be great. And then at that time, um, I was, I was like, well, I need a, it was either going to be bread or I need to go active duty because when I came back, I was chasing obviously mm -hmm. the girl. I was like, well, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Cause I grew up doing that. It was just like a, a short term thing. So at that point I was, I was chasing deployments. Cause now I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to be an officer and I don't want to be, I don't want to just do national guard. Like I want to go active. Like, and at that time I was peak, like peak physical condition. So mm -hmm. I was like, it's time to do it. And uh, so Arizona had a deployment coming up. And so I was like, perfect. Went over there, did that. But then like a month before pre-mill, they canceled. And this was during Obama time. So he pulled a lot of infantry troops back. So sure. there really weren't any deployments going out. So I was kind of SOL there. And I got in with the scout unit there and it was like a smaller unit. So I, I loved it. Great guys. And that ultimately those guys, I'm still brothers with. Like it, it just kind of turned into a, a little a little group. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but then at that point, you know, bread wasn't looking good. It, and that was like, I was like, all right, well, I need to actually like, either mm -hmm. go active duty or do something. So I was at that, that crossroad, that fork in the road again. I've been through a lot of forks, I feel like. Dude, I'm, I'm listening to this story <laughs> and I'm like, we went from bread oh, to EMT, yeah. to military, to school and military, to trees, yeah. back to bread. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's there's still a lot more. You're 20, yeah. 22 at this no, I wasn't this even 22. I was, I was 21. <laughs> my, I guess my question for you is, Man, it's your story is so uncommon. Yeah. In in today's world, where somebody literally leaves home at such a young age and just so what are you, what are your what are your hobbies? What do you like to do currently? Or what, I guess what have you always liked to do? Uh, off roading, shooting. That, those were usually some of my big hobbies. And, and during then, during this time in your life, like how often did you get to go do that stuff? Oh, never. You're just working. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't afford it. Like I was trying to I was trying to survive. If you're listening to this. If you're trying to get somewhere in life, all fun goes on hold for a couple of years until you <laughs> until you uh, get back to. Yeah, I look. You did not know that was what I was doing though. Like sure. I, I was just it was life. Yeah, it's survival. You know, it's life or death. It's like I'm gonna survive. Oh, I'm gonna make this money, or I don't have a house, yeah. or I don't oh, have yeah. a, a car. And obviously, I mean, um, and you know, and I I never came from from money. I didn't mm -hmm. have rich friends to kind of help me out along the way either. Like it was, it was a grind. Was, yeah, I work work my my tail off. Yeah. But I mean, that's not, you're right. It's not even the end of the story. Like there's so much I'm thinking about. I'm like, dang, 
That's why we're here. That was a lot. Oh, I want to capture all this. No, this is this is this is awesome. Yeah. Um, so went back to doing bread. You found a brotherhood. You mentioned that. How important at that point in your life? You've been you've been basically a nomad, a yeah. maverick for two three years, yeah. bouncing around from place to place. You said you make friends easy, but how important was that? I guess male support group in your life at that point in your life. Oh, it was. I get, I'm getting chills, goosebumps. Really? They're my bro- oh, they're my boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. They've been, ever since I met them, I mean, really, I think um, up until I was 21, when I turned 21, that's really where now I started to kind of kind of meet the guys that are still my, some of my top, my best five friends mm-hmm. to this day. And they're not even in like what I do now, like yeah. they're doing their own thing, but they've just, they've had my back since day one. And I've always been a big believer, like family, it doesn't mean blood. It's, it's, it's who you choose to surround yourself with, who have like values who see the world the same way and mm-hmm. you can count on them they can count on you and that's ultimately how i kind of got the nickname romero tribe yeah. that's that's just like the tribe you choose your tribe it's just that's where it kind of started i think it's also we're, we're just trying to highlight just key important factors of just becoming successful i think it's very very important that people find a tribe like that just oh. people that'll support you through thick and thin like there's there's so many people out there you know for example like uh, I don't know how you feel about Andrew Tate, but him and his brother, like thick as thieves, you yeah. know, Logan Paul and Jake Paul, thick as yep. thieves, like nothing's going to separate Just them. Ride or die. Exactly. And, you know, um, I, I've, I've had a friend, you know, it's stuck with me through thick and thin. Yep. I know he's always there and I know he always will be there, you know, shout out to Octavia. Love <laughs> you, dog. But um, yeah, like it, it's important to find that group that's yeah. going to push you because I feel like a lot of people just get lost with, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my other coworkers from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up hanging out with people from Starbucks and you're going to end up at Starbucks for the rest of your life. If that's yeah. who you want to hang out with, if you don't build your own tribe with people that you want to surround yourself with, like there's not going to be much to encourage you or push you forward. So, so, uh, living in Phoenix, you have your tribe doing bread. Where do we go now? Uh, so at that point I got into the, basically the bar scene. Okay. That was kind of where I experienced that. Um, it was hilarious. The first time I went to Mill Ave, uh-huh. uh, it was actually with one of my rider dies now, but first time we were going and literally get arrested. First time. First time going. What'd you do? I didn't do nothing. No <laughs> one gets arrested on Mill. Oh yeah. Nobody does. No, if you're, it was. If you're not from Arizona, Mill Avenue <laughs> is like the big bar street, yes. uh, for ASU. Yes. So if you're a college student, you go to ASU, Mill yeah. Avenue is the place to go. Yeah. It was, it was bad timing. Uh, same color shirt as the guy who did do something wrong. Let's put it that way. And literally I, video evidence came out, veterans court, they see it and they're like, oh yeah, he didn't literally didn't do anything. You can see my, I'm over here standing, talking to people mm-hmm. just in my statement, but it was just how it all happened. But it's crazy. Cause then I went on and worked at that bar for security and because it was a security guard who like tried to put me in a, in a choke after I, I was trying to exit the building. And I, so instantly you're just, just over there talking to people. No, it wasn't just like that. So what happened was I was there with a, a girl on my, one of my buddies, he was there with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and uh, a guy walked by, you know, grabbing her butt, trying to be rude, hooting and hollering. Sure. And so of course he's like, dude, what the heck? And then security guard comes up on my buddy. My, mind you, my buddy, he's ex Navy SEAL. So he's like, yeah, I'm leaving. And this is all on camera, which is awesome. Sure. So he puts his hands up because he just knows he's he's been through it. He was pouring out in PA, but so he gets escorted out. And so the security guard though, just being how they were back in the day, like grabbed his collar and just like, like kind of trying to rock him, like trying to push him. And he's like, dude, don't touch me. Like I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah. And, and he's like, he took that, I guess, as whatever he did. So he tries to put him into a, a chokehold and then two other guys jump on him. And I just see my, and I'm watching this cause I'm like, dude, I'm like, what the heck? And, yeah. and my buddy's like down here, he's like, you guys done? All right, I'm getting up. And he just starts throwing guys. <laughs> and so then he obviously gets outside to take care of that. So mind you, this whole time I grabbed both the girls cause I'm like, Hey, let's get outside. Um, my LT at the time was on the force and I actually had an application in to apply for Tempe PD. Mm-hmm. So like, cause that was the other thing it was at that time, it was like a weird transition. It was like, do I go border patrol? I'm in the military. I'm around these guys. I'm around a lot of police officers. Do I go that way? Like, mm-hmm. I love these guys. Um, so I go through that. So literally I'm trying to get the girls outside and the gate, uh, it, the security guard's just holding it. And, and on the camera, you just see this crowd behind me. It's packed Saturday night and I'm staring at it at his arm. Cause he just is holding me from going outside. And I'm just like standing there getting swayed back and forth because of the, the group or like, you know, the, the uh-huh. mass 
uh, amount of people behind me. And then I was just like, dude, screw this. So I just like walked past him, obviously. And uh, he like turned around and tried to jump on my back. Can they do just, that? Try to keep you in a bar? I have no idea. I didn't know. Like I, like I said, <laughs> this is the first time I went out to Mill Ave. I've never been here before and I have no idea. Sure, so sure, I'm like, sure. I'm clueless. I didn't know it was a college town. Like mm. I didn't even know anything like that. Like, yeah. It was my first time. I got invited to go. Shouldn't I'm gone. But nonetheless, so uh, he tries to choke me and I just instinct just hit my knee and throw him over. And of course I see security. So of course I go to, whoa, hey man, like, and then of course that's when I get tackled and yeah. that whole nonsense. But all so, off like that yeah, was, yeah, so, was so they look at the video on, they're like this guy they literally good. yeah they they saw it and they're like uh, it was hilarious because in the police report they're like and me and my buddy are handcuffed together we spent the night together and uh that's how we became boys of course so they hold them up and they're like the judge was like uh mr so-and-so uh it says in the report you were fighting a mr john romero and he's like your honor you mean my buddy who i've been chained to all night and she's like you guys are veterans huh like, yes ma'am all right, let's go to Veterans Court. It, it wiped us off and then cleared everything off once they saw the video. It was hilarious. That's awesome. But so, so Mill Avenue, <coughs> hanging out, trying yeah. to trying to figure out what's uh, what's the next opportunity that presents itself. It's like bartending. That's so, that's kind of like the thing. So you, where did you bartend on Mill? It was, it was Moonshine. Moonshine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Moonshine. Uh, I think, and then it turned into uh, Cabin. Okay. I think so. And then I don't think it's. It used to be Margaret Rocks back in the day. So before it was moonshine. I dude, I haven't been. Dude, it's been. I haven't been to Mill Avenue for like. Is, we're talking like 2013. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. been in a long time. 2014. Um, not yeah, in college 2014. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I was there, and actually, that's where I met uh, a couple uh, buddies who, obviously, because then I was I was teaching two step lessons, so like mm -hmm. I was I was just kind of doing a jack of all trades. I was trying to get a little of everything, and then that's when I met um, Shelton. Obviously, he did Eco Shield in 2016, and and I I was still in at that point because. 2016 summers when I went and did air assault school. Okay. So I, I still, I learned about EcoShield, but I, I didn't really know anything still of it. And right. You heard, point, Hey, people do door to door. They sell pest control contracts. Come make all this it, money. It wasn't even that like, much. It wasn't really, even it was that just, much. It was like, Hey, I'm going out to do this job for EcoShield. Like that was it. You were just like, and I was like, I don't know. I, I, and at the time it was like, uh, we we're just hanging out having a beer. And mm -hmm. that's when he brought it up and went on his way. And then I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I, I still, I'm still in the military. I got like uh, my contract ended 2017. Mm -hmm. So I went and did air assault school, did all that. And they're like, all right, reenlistment time. And after I did that, that's when I saw Shelton's Facebook with the monkey on his shoulder, went to Thailand. I was like, what the heck? Wait, what? I know this guy. Like, I saw him out there partying all the time. You're like, this I know dude. he has no money. Yeah, I was like, like, I know what this, is guy, this guy. Doing? Yeah. And then he's like, he's in Thailand. I yep. met Sheldon in Cabo in 2016, yep. too. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah. So I saw that and I, uh, I hit him up and he's like, yeah, I went out and did really well and made like 40 K my first summer, went to Cabo. And then they, we went to Thailand all for free. And I was like, well, if you did it, I could definitely do it. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I, I mean, no one's that special. Like, it, you know? And so that's ultimately why I didn't reenlist. I was like, all right, well, I can't be in the military. I, I, I need to be able to go out during the summertime. Can't mm -hmm. do trainings um, or anything like that. So that's when I just didn't re-up. And I had to literally track him down to recruit myself. He was just like, nah, you're not going to do good. And you're like, take me on. No, I was just like, dude, like, I need to know if I have this job or not. Because I got, like, my contract, like, I need to tell these guys. Right. Like, this is serious. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll hit you up in April. And I'm like, what? No, no, I need to know now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, because at the time, I still didn't know what I know now, obviously. I thought I was like, what? Well, I, I need an interview? Like, what do I got to do? So I basically, finally, Pat and Sean get a hold of me and finally do a call. I'm like, done. I was, I was the same day. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I met up with him at Top Golf and I was like, where do I sign? Just, I need this done. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sean's like, here you go. Yep. That's it. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. So you get involved with EcoShield. Yep. Uh, briefly, you know, uh, tell us your experience at EcoShield and uh, just your performance on the doors mm -hmm. and, and, uh, picking up the job because I'm sure other than selling trees door to door, this job was very different than anything you'd ever done before. I never did sales before this. I mean, I did a stint at Buckle, you know, where it's like 3% commission. You sure. Know, you're not really selling. People want something. Um, so I really never had the experience that I, that I realized. So when I got out to Orange County for <laughs> funny, so well, first day I drive out there, I pack up everything. And at this time I'm now, I was dating my now wife. Okay. So she was with, uh, she's been with me through thick and thin from the beginning. That's the one you need, man. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, so she was very supportive. And so we had moved out. We had a, I was renting a house. 
so she actually just started stayed with uh, one of my uncles, mm-hmm. so that way obviously we didn't have to worry about rent and stuff like that. But I drive out, and the first day I show up to, Arizona, uh, to Orange County, I walk out the next morning at 6 a.m. to grab all my stuff, and my car's towed. So, yeah, they do I, that in California. Yeah, they really do. You I was park like anywhere around. I was like, it's like cars. I gone. was like, where's my truck? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I call out like somebody stole my truck, uh, and they're like, uh, no one's gonna steal it, John. Like it probably just parked in a spot where you can't park. You're like, we're it's in like, Orange well, County. Well, Sean told me to park here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably not where you're allowed to. So that was my first experience to California. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Um, but I learned an important lesson that day because then um, Pat went and paid for it to get out because I, I had to borrow money to get out to Orange County. Mm-hmm. I, I was negative $3,000 in debt each month. Like I had, I, had, I was that guy, typical guy living paycheck to paycheck, just kind of blowing money. I had no, I had nothing, mm-hmm. no savings, nothing. And that first day they went and took care of me. And I was like, wow, I've never experienced that before. Like a company or even an owner mm-hmm. go out of his way to help me out. And I'm just a new guy who just showed up today. Right. Like just ultimate example. And they that's don't, ultimately they don't owe me anything. And they went out of there. Yeah. And that, that ultimately that's why my, my guys know this. It's always take care of your boys. That's why that's where that came from. Yeah. Because they took care of me day one. And I was like, dude, this company, what? I, and I'm a loyal guy. I'm a, I'm, I'm a team guy. Yeah. So that, that happened. I was oh like, yeah. I'm here. You're a foxhole guy. Yeah. If, if I'm going to foxhole with somebody, I know John's going to yeah. be there. Yeah. I was like, let's ride. So first summer was good. Um, I did not know what the heck I was doing, I was trying to memorize my pitch, like mm-hmm. walking, ma- following the manager shadowing. Sure. Like I had no idea. And then, but I've always been that disciplined guy of just, hey, just tell me what to do mm-hmm. and I'll do it. So Sean stepped in and was literally like, hey, John, you gotta do A, B, C. So I was like, all right, cool, I can do that. So go through uh, morning trainings, get out on the doors. I'd have to hit a certain number of people I'd have to talk to because uh, that summer, like later in the summer, I was realizing my ratio was like one out of 25. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted two deals, I need to talk to 53, 75 people. Um, and then also at night, I was doing two hours of other studying. So I, I wouldn't go to bed till like 1230, one, just so that way I could get through the training. Because mm-hmm. once again, I never did sales, but he told me to do it. So I was like, cool, I can do that. Yeah. And he said, if you do it, you'll make this much. I was like, Okay, mm-hmm. and it happened. I made like 40K my first year and hit top 10 rookie, met you out in Cabo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, that summer, after that first summer, that's when we got married, me and my wife got married. We did the old uh, Jamaica, uh, we went down, did the destination wedding. Didn't did you guys elope? Yeah, yeah, so you yeah, eloped, eloped to yeah. Jamaica, yeah. Sorry, mom, but yeah. <laughs> she she was still a little upset because she didn't, I just, I, I don't know, we just kind of went down and did it. So you guys have been married Four years going on five years? No, we just had our fifth fifth year anniversary. Okay. Yep. Congratulations. Easy date to remember, September 11th. Uh, I've met your wife. Yeah. Sweetheart, by the way. Yeah. Right. Uh, what kind of role has she played as an influence in your life to getting to where you are right now? Everything on the support side. I mean, I, I've had some big summers, and it's literally because of her, but I honestly, it was because I took what you had talked about ultimately after like 2019 when you said you and your wife sat down and mm-hmm. had a talk like hey this is the goal this is what we'd have to do together um, and then each person has to play a role and then agree on that yeah. and that's ultimately what what we started doing from the beginning yeah. and that's what what really helped out was she just takes care of everything at the house because we have a four-year-old daughter yeah name's Aria so yeah when you get married or just when you have a, a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with it's not so much I'm playing for myself anymore as oh, much yeah. as it's like we're a, we're a tag team duo. And yeah. our, it's not even like I have goals. It's like we have goals oh, now. 100%. Um, I think that's a very important thing, but that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that she's been rock solid for you because oh, yeah. watching your career take off since then has been truly inspiring. Um, so when so you were rookie in 2017, you came back 2018. When did you partner in to EcoShield? Uh, it was after my summer of 2020. Okay, so, so it was you, after my my top. Okay, yeah. so so you came back in 2020. You sold 550k in yeah. a Golden Door Award that yeah. year. So John yeah. gets a Golden Door. Uh, if you guys are in the door to door industry, it's like top tier uh, salesmen get that award. So congrats on that. That's a Thanks. huge accolade. Um, and then partnered into EcoShield. Tell us a little bit about um, the moment you transitioned from being a sales rep and a manager mm-hmm. to being a partner yeah. and how that transition has kind of influenced you and, and shaped the way that you think? Uh, well, I, I think to just give you the, the, the answer on that, I'd have to kind of explain the process th- 
through the four years though. Yeah, let's because, rewind. Because like obviously that that moment just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Like I mean, it it, it gets developed, mm-hmm. and so like when I when I got with after my first summer, um, I, I I didn't make it yet. Like I'm not I'm not like oh my gosh I'm I I, I have all this money to blow like that mm-hmm. that didn't happen. I got back from um, our our honeymoon and found out at the same time I was going to be a dad. So literally, I became a husband and a dad like in the same week. It's hilarious. Heck yeah. Yeah. Which I was, wasn't ready for it. I had no idea. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even know if I wanted kids, yeah. but I freaking love my little gremlin. Oh, yeah. um, but so going into my second year, um, I, I was massive recruiting, trying to do everything I can to build, you know, trying to follow suit as some of the top performers, the top guys, the other owners. And I realized that it's a lot harder than I thought. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can say obviously, yes, I want to be a partner, mm-hmm. but there's so much work and execution that goes in that it doesn't just happen because you're saying it. Yeah. Yes, that's a that's a that's a that's a byproduct of saying it. Mm-hmm. You have to have those affirmations. But at the end of the day, you have to have that ultimate 100% execution, become obsessed with it. And, yeah. and at that point, I realized, I was like, all right, well, I've seen these guys be able to become owners of a multi-million dollar business in three years. If they can do it, I can do it. So back to the grind. And that's when I ultimately just started getting after it. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to the point where, you know, rounded up on year four, um, up until then, I didn't do anything crazy. Like my second year, I only did 230K in rev third year, I only did 275. So not like a huge increase. Mm-hmm. And going into my fourth year, I remember talking to uh, my wife, Elena, and I was like, I got to do something this summer. Like I, I, I got to either, uh, I got to level up. Yeah. I got to level up or, yeah, get, up or, yeah. or get out. Like I, I gave myself a five years to hit partnership. Mm-hmm. Like that was the five year goal. And I never had even hit, sold over 300 K. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to do something big. Otherwise I need to know that this is for me. Right. Because if I'm going to, if I'm going to plant my roots, I've been jumping around my whole life. I don't want to jump more, but I need to make sure it's my spot. It's sure. my vehicle, you know? And so after that, that summer, I mean, literally just every day waking up, I had, I, I simplified my life. It was simplified the same breakfast, same clothes, the same deodorant, like literally yeah. I didn't have to make a single decision and that was the purpose. And every day I just told myself, oh, I'm, gonna be a to- I'm, I'm a top 10. And that's what ultimately pushed me over that edge because then it happened by doing all those small habits it all compounded yeah. into that success. And you're just talking about that 2020 summer where you came yeah. out and slung and yep. qualified for partnership. Yep. We'll pause there. Um, I know what that's like and not a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, I'll, I'll give you an example. So this last year, uh, and just for the viewers listening, we get all of our management staff together at one big conference center. And then a lot of guys go on stage and just kind of explain the experience that they have during the summer and some of the things that they learned. And it, it, something that the top three producers in the company all have in common at the end of the summer, and I know you can see this, I know mm-hmm. I can see it because I've done it, there's a screw loose. Mm-hmm. When they get off the summer, it's almost like they have PTSD because of the, the, the place that you have to take yourself psychologically to produce. Mm-hmm. Because when I sold a lot and, and did exactly what you yeah. did, but just like a year before, yeah. same food, same schedule, yep. same everything. I didn't have to think. Mm-hmm. And then you get lost in your goal. And it, it it's almost like time has no place in your life the the days kind of fade together the weeks kind of fade together you get in this like this zone of work and when you pick your head up at the end you're like what just happened it's almost like oh, i yeah. snapped out of it and i woke up from it yep so um you went through that experience what was that like um honestly it was like a bison heading into the uh the storm you put your head down you just go and it, it gets black yeah and then you come out the other side and you're like wow i'm here Literally, it was a perfect example, actually. As you were saying that, I thought it. I was like, dude, that is perfect. There we go. That's it's a perfect we, ex- yeah. explanation for it, 100%. But it was worth it, 100%. Yeah. The uh, ultimate execution and everything up in my life up until that point led up to help me achieve that summer. That's it. It was everybody who's been a part of my life was what helped me get there. My mm-hmm. wife, uh, you know, my family, my dad being like, and I called him after that summer. I was like, hey, thank you for being a, a blank to me my whole life growing up mm-hmm. because you made me who I am now. Like, I hated you for it growing up, but I, I respect it and I, I appreciate it now. Like you are the reason why I'm here. Yeah. It takes a lot of maturity and takes a lot of self-accountability to, to say something like that and to recognize 
although people's help in the past has been imperfect, mm-hmm. it was still help and it still helped you get to where you are oh, absolutely. today. Um, so now you're a partner at EcoShield, your team sold over $5 million last year, your book of business did your Rolodex, five million. Oh, so book of business over five. The team, the squad, we just uh, did three point five mil this past summer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And for the again, viewers that don't know, John's sales team came out and sold three point five million in a four and a half to five month yeah. stint. So yep. it's not like an annual. It's yep. hey, in four and a half months, five months, knocking on doors, selling pest control. We did you know that yeah. much. Um, that's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, so what? What are you doing now to make it to the next level? Like, where do you see John Romero in the next five years? Because you, you had a five-year commitment to EcoShield. Yep. Have you re-upped on that commitment? Oh, absolutely, you have to. Yeah. Um, the end goal wasn't partnership. It, it was a, it was the next step. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, it, especially for every entrepreneur, don't ever make your, your goal the end of your journey because then once you hit it, you become complacent. And that's where we see a lot of guys that are very successful fast, mm-hmm. but then the kind of trail off. Yeah. It's because they hit that goal that they had in mind, so they think, oh, cool, let off the gas. Complacency sets mm-hmm. in. Uh, you forget the little habits, you forget all the things that you were doing that helps you compound all that and to get to that next step because it's not gonna just come easy. Mm-hmm. Like It gets harder at the top. Yeah. Like, So the, the stuff I've kind of taken into play was uh, extreme ownership on, on habits and daily routine. I just basically 10X what I was doing and I, I had to take a step back and and see how I define certain words. So that way when they come up to me, I, I know exactly. And the biggest one for me was commitments, I'll be honest. Um, up until this past summer, I've always had, you know, there's times where you, you'll commit to something, right? Mm-hmm. And we're human, we're, we're gonna fall. We're like, we're gonna, we're gonna fail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just normal. You're not quitting, you're, you're, you gotta fail forward. And I was always the one where, you know, I'd, I'd start off hot for like seven days. And then, you know, reading a page a day or, oh, I'm going to read three books this month. And then all of a sudden I only get through one and a half, you know, and and I have weaknesses just like everybody. But when you can identify that and then set up your next goal, Mm -hmm. that's when it just gets crazy. So the biggest thing was for me, I turned 30 this year and I had a couple of realizations where, you know, I got a a four and a half year old daughter. And I was like, all right, well, when we're picking up when I'm picking her up from school and, you know, all the all the kids are talking about their dads. What do I what do I want her to say about me? Like, what, what's that conversation going to look like? Mm-hmm. Like, when I show up to, with all the other parents, what are they going to see when they see me? Am I going to be, you know, beer belly? Am I going to be that guy who's just always drinking? Because you know, I'm Costa Rican, where I drink. Like, yeah. I love old fashions. I'm an of course I love to drink. We know mm-hmm. how to throw it back, have a good time, but we still get up and produce. But I was just to the point where I was like, you know, I, I've worked out my whole life. I've been in the gym since I was ten years old my stepdad was a bodybuilder back in the eighties, you know, Mm -hmm. so I've been around it my whole life, but I've been out of the game for a little bit. So I got to that and the realization, I was like, you know what? I want to be that, that guy. I walk in, boom, I, I have the professionalism, but then on top of that, I look the part too, because as a leader, you have to lead from the front. So I can't expect anything from my guys. If, if I'm not reading all the books, how can I expect my guys to read books? If I'm not, in shape, how can I expect my guys to do the transformation challenge? Mm-hmm. So I really had that that uh, epiphany when I hit 30, where I was just like, dude, I gotta, that's the next level. I gotta double down. Double down, and my le- next level, the f- next five year is, I wanna duplicate my success in five others. Like yeah. that is the ultimate goal, because yeah, it's cool I got here, but I've, I've quickly realized, especially with Instagram nowadays, I don't wanna be the guy who's taking all these cool fancy photos on cars and trips, and you see their all their photos, they're by themselves, or one person's taking a photo of them. I wanna be the one with my tribe there. I was yeah. like, that's what matters, so that's happiness. What's the point of having a yacht if your friends don't have yachts too? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, you, you bring up so many good points. I'm so glad like I'm having you on the podcast right now. This has been a, a, a treat for me, but I appreciate um, you having me. Dude, honestly, you're Long time listener, first time interviewee. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've only had one podcast out so far, so we filmed a few, but only one's uh, released. Um, but I think what you're saying, and this resonates with me right now too, on this path of entrepreneurship, you set a goal and you, you climb this mountain. It's this peak that you're trying to reach. And, and this is a, a thought that I've had recently with my own self because you know I just turned 28 and I've had the same thought. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the next step and are you gonna double down on the work? And for some reason, I keep thinking that year after year being an entrepreneur, it's just gonna get easier and easier. And I don't know why I feel that way because every year it gets harder and harder, but the difference is is you get stronger. And so Mm -hmm. 
I like it onto like a, a mountain that you're climbing and you see the peak at the top and you're like, that's the peak, that's the goal, I'm getting there. You put your head down, you're staring at the snow, you're staring at the rock and you're just trudging it up the hill. You're just going as as hard and as fast as you can. Yeah. You almost exhaust yourself, but you make it to the top and you look around and you're like, wow, life is beautiful up here, this is awesome. I'm tired, I wanna rest for a second, I wanna relax, I just hit my goal. I've been climbing this mountain for a while. And then you get up there and you kind of realize it's kind of cold. There's mm-hmm. not much else to see up here, but you look to the side and what you realize is you're at the false summit and there's another mountain to climb. Oh yeah. And you decided to climb the other mountain. And I'm under the assumption that once you get to that peak, you realize <laughs> this is another false summit yep. and and really like the, you know, the sky's the limit with with how high you can climb, but um I think for a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, if you've hit goals or if you're struggling to get through stuff, keep in mind that the path, this life, entrepreneurship, it's a tough life, but it's so rewarding. The job gets tougher, work gets tougher, running businesses gets tougher, uh, moving money around gets tougher, um, You know, your time gets more scarce, but you get better at managing everything. So although the job gets harder, it also is better, I yeah. think. I, I do wanna s- tag on that though, I know you're, saying it harder. I just want viewers to know too, or listeners too. It's not the fact that it gets harder. It's mm-hmm. the fact that we have more responsibilities now. Mm-hmm. We have more people looking up to us. We have more eyes on us. Mm-hmm. So it's not the fact that, you know, yeah, we're getting stronger at the end of the day. We have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but everything in life is hard. That's yeah. that's the point. Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's who makes, that's what makes us who we are. And that's why we're able to to get back and then and then lead the others and and help others become something more. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point by you. I tell my guys that all the time. It's like, listen, like when I was a rookie, I showed up to work and I just had to worry about myself and getting my own money. Yeah. And now that I'm where I'm at, it's like I have a hundred and I mean, and growing, I have over 150 sales reps that work for me. Yeah. I gotta I gotta take care of all of them. Yeah. I got a family of five. You know, I gotta take care of them. I got uh, a, a tow truck business with you know, five or six employees there, I got to take care of them. Like people wake up depending on me Mm -hmm. to do my job every day. And if I don't, literally hundreds of people will suffer. There are hundreds of people that are counting on their paycheck to clear so that they can feed their families. And it comes down to you and me doing our jobs. And if our job's not done, everyone else suffers. And so you're right. It's, it's the obligation. It's the responsibility we have to other people. It's the responsibility of a leader. You know, I think heavy is the head that wears the crown. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people understand that. Everybody wants the fame, the glory, yep. the fortune, everything, but they don't realize that it's a lonely trip to the top and it's a lonely journey, but it's um, it's filled with, uh, I don't know, it's filled with beautiful moments. I love it when my guys come to me and tell me thank you. I love it when, you know, just I can see the joy and the experience. Like my favorite trip to do in this company is go to Cabo because yeah. I get to see the just the, the eyes light up of everybody. It's like, wow, this is what people do. When, yep. like, like when, when you made it, you yep. know? And that's, that's actually a unique thing. Not a lot of people get to experience that, mm-hmm. that joy. And at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're, we're servants. Like that's ultimately what we are. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're an entrepreneur or anything like that, you're a servant at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you're there to serve others ultimately and add value to their life. Like you said, you can't, if they can't clear their check, what, what, what's going to happen? Exactly. And I mean, and that's it. It doesn't just happen overnight. And at the end of the day, a lot of people say they want that, but nobody's willing to put in the work and the execution that it takes mm-hmm. to get there. Because I didn't just hit where I am because of the past couple years. Like yeah. it's because of the past tw- 30, 30, 30 years, 100%. Yeah. Like actually 20 because it's 10 years old. 10 years that's old. That's where it started. Bread, yeah. 100%. Like that's where it began. I think a lot of time people don't have that long-term vision either. The difference between you right now and, you know, I don't think it's far-fetched for you to own a private jet one day, John. Like I don't. You're 30 years old. Uh, Romero Tribe's going to own the Rome- private jet. Romero Tribe's going to own the, the jet. For the, for the boys. The, the, trust, the trust is going <laughs> to yes. manage the jet that they yeah. don't own. Oh, yeah, it's yep. cool. Um, but no, like it, it's not a far-fetched goal for you to have that and, and everything's possible, you know, for you. But you have to understand that the difference between you and that John is just time. Yep. That's it. And the difference between me and where I want to be, it's just time and it's consistency over time being patient. I feel bad for so many kids that 
um, and, and you did this too, but your difference was is you left stuff because things wouldn't work out or you were seeking a better opportunity. I think a lot of times people get bored with their job or they get bored mm -hmm. with where they're at and they just, they're deal seekers. They find the next best yeah. deal. Hey, this person's gonna pay me a dollar more an hour. This person's gonna pay me an extra commission percentage. This person's gonna do X, Y, and Z. You're better off committing to the wrong thing all mm -hmm. the way than being committed to the right thing halfway. It's the, uh, the issue of the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we always think it is until you get over there and you're like, oh, it's actually the same pasture. You still gotta water it, you still gotta take care of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go. That's Grant so, Cardone. Yep. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate you. <laughs> yep. Um, well, dude, uh, we'll wrap up the podcast. My final question for you is if you have any advice for any uh, person that is going through what you had to go through or is is growing up and not really sure with what they want to do with their life, that's considering a path that's different than what their parents told them to do, become mm -hmm. a doctor and everything, like what's your advice for somebody starting out? I think honestly just sit down and find out what you want in life, what makes you happy. Once you find that, if it changes, that's okay. Like, don't be afraid to, like, it, you're not gonna quit something, that, that that's different. I, I know a lot of people are always like, oh, well, I've been doing this for five years and now you're letting fear and other things kind of dictate your, your direction. Um, but at the end of the day, see what makes you happy because it's a, life is a journey, right? Like, I don't know if we're gonna be here tomorrow or in a hundred years, who knows? But you gotta have fun along the way but you got to take execution at the, at the, that's the, the only advice I'd give. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't just commit to something and say, I have to do it, but out of fear of survival, mm -hmm. like my, my survival instincts took over to get me there. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're comfortable right now, get uncomfortable. Like if you want something more in your life, if you're trying to be a, like a bison, you got to head into the storm, right? Don't be, don't be the sheep. Don't follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. You're going to have people that are going to tell you, no, oh, that's not going to work. There's no reason that you can make that kind of money there. Well, first off, did they do it? Mm -hmm. Are they doing it currently? Well, then no. Why would you take their yeah. advice? That's like asking somebody like who's not a doctor, like, hey, what about this scar? That's not, <laughs> it's not good advice to take. So you got to look at inside yourself and then you got to ask yourself, what are you willing to do to accomplish that goal? Mm hmm because at the end of the day, you can sit there and say you want to be an entrepreneur. You, you can sit there and say you want to be financially free, mm -hmm. but if you're not willing to put in the work and, and follow through on that and, and put in the time it takes, then you're never gonna get there. Last question, and we'll end with this one. In your life when times have been tough, mm -hmm. and you've had a lot of tough times, yeah, a lot of letdowns, a lot of heartbreaks, I'm sure. Oh yeah, in, in, oh, yeah. sleepless <laughs> nights, crying, yeah, all that. In your life- A lot of country songs. A lot of country songs. <laughs> uh, in your life, what has gotten you through those moments of difficulty? It's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, actually, I'll be honest. To get me through those difficult moments. How do you constantly choose to get, I mean, you get knocked back down, you get punched in the face, and you just keep getting back up, man. I mean, that's well, just who I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I'm trying to think about it because, you know, trying to answer that question is a tough one. Mm -hmm. I, that's not something you just have an answer for. So that's a psychologically deep. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. psychologically deep. We'd have to sit here for a couple hours to dive in deep as to why I mentally am able to get back up and keep going. Mm -hmm. But I've hit so many walls, things like that. I mean, the way I see it is if I can, if I'm breathing, if I'm not bleeding, then I drink a Gatorade and get after it. Just like my dad always told me, like it, if you, the bone's not sticking out, you're fine. You know, it might be purple, but you just get back up and keep going. There's yeah. no excuse. So it's, it's one of those where- uh, What else just, are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, what, am I gonna go back to living in a car? Or like, am I gonna go back to not being able to help out my mom, help mm -hmm. out my family, my friends? No, I'm not gonna go backwards. Like, who wants that? Yeah. So it's all about progress, because at the end of the day, progress equals happiness, yeah. so. Well, John, you're officially certified bison. Thanks hey, for coming on the show. Appreciate it, man. Guys, if you like the episode, go ahead and give us a follow on YouTube, give us a follow on Instagram. Uh, that it's uh, at the Bison Hour, and then John, what is your Instagram handle? Just Romero Tribe. I Romero? think there's under, underscore in there somewhere, but okay. it's underneath. Like I think it's in between Romero and Tribe. We'll tag him in the Instagram, <laughs> but go give John a check uh, out and, and go give him a follow if you want to follow his journey Appreciate for the rest of life. Thanks, John. Appreciate Glad it. To have you on. You're the man.